today on The Breakdown. Tom frickin' Dwan, John Robert Belande, and another player. <laughs> I'll mix it up. Son of a famous poker player, by the way, Sean Perry. Famous-ish. Ralph Perry, is he famous? He's famous for one thing. We'll get into that. Uh, they mix it up in a game of high-stakes poker. And let me tell you, they're not just firing chips at each other. They're firing lasers. <laughs> laser eyes, baby. That's right. Someone is going to cut someone else in half with their awesome laser eyes in this hand. And there'll only be two players left to fight for the pot. <laughs> That's how it's going to go. It's like a Mortal Kombat, you know, Monday here on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Yeah, so Tom Dwan is not really in this hand. Fatality. <laughs> Do you watch Mortal Kombat? No, no, I did. I saw. I watched a review of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I, that was enough. I watched Mortal Kombat. You did? Yeah, I made the mistake of watching Mortal Kombat. I, I heard. Mean, I heard the first ten minutes were really good. Yeah, sort of. Okay, like for, better, for better, way Mortal better Kombat. Like it, like it took itself seriously, and they were doing it with craft, and it was actually yeah, yeah, pretty good. And like then the first, the first ten minutes take place in sixteen seventeen Japan, which is which is cool. And then yeah. they like abandon that character and they go to like the young, uninteresting character instead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Basically, that is the case. And then it's just like lots of fighting. And most of the fighting sucks. The fatalities are grotesque and yeah. in a good way, probably. But the rest of the fighting is no stakes and no one ever gets hurt until then. Right. Yeah. It's not a good, not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't see it. Sub Zero, I hear, is pretty cool, though. It's fine. Okay. I mean, like, it's, just it's, it's basically like watching a cooler version of somebody else play the video game. So, right. You know, like, it's. They try to have a story, but honestly, I watched this movie three days ago at, at the time of this recording. I don't know what the story was. <laughs> <laughs> trying to save the Earth from the outworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, you it's know, like a tournament realms, and there's yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want to get into spoilers because I know people actually want to see this movie. But like, I'm gonna guess that the humans win. <laughs> nothing matters. Basically, yeah. is the point. It doesn't. Who cares? Here's the thing. Get ready for some more Mortal Kombat movies because it did really well. It, they set it up for a sequel. Tell you that much. They, it did really well. Within the bounds in the context of the pandemic, of course, it made $20 million on it in its first weekend. Yeah. Um, and people, and, and I think they're going to learn all the wrong lessons from this because Godzilla versus Kong also had a really big opening right. weekend, again, pandemic based compared to other movies in the pandemic like Tenet and all You're those right. movies. But they're now thinking that means that these movies bring people out when I think what's really going on is vaccination. It's just, it's just the timing of it. Yeah. Is different, right. You bring out you, if Tenet released now, it would be doing better than I would guess both of these movies. Right. Um, but instead, yeah. So, so I think they're learning all the wrong lessons and they, they think instead of like the timing mattered, it was the actual movie and we're going to see a Mortal Kombat sequel. We're certainly going to see a Godzilla, another Godzilla or a Kong movie or whatever, or both or whatever. And they're not going to be good because the Godzilla versus Kong movie was trash. So it was Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're going to lose money and, you know, so be it. So be it. So that's what's going to happen. I predicted the future and now we can all go back to sleep. So speaking of losing money, we've got John Robert Belland and Tom Dwan in this hand. Wow. Yeah. Shot at Tom Dwan. I mean, it's speculated that he's lost 20s of millions of dollars, but maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's just, a you know, an indentured servant in Macau. <laughs> We're not really sure. I mean, we don't really know about any of that. Yeah. Right? Like he just is playing in Macau and maybe he's playing with someone else's money. But I mean, I don't know if you there's like stuff with like he owes Daniel Cates a lot of money. Yeah. Like Doug, po Doug Polk is is. Very is calling him out regularly these days. It's like a, he's calling him a scammer, I believe. So you know the the wind is not 
pointing in the right direction for mm. him as far as like he's actually just doing great and he decided to be out of the public eye. Yeah. It's not really that much That's fair. looking like that. The now, maybe that is the case, but based on other players being like, hey, you owe me millions of dollars, it's not ideal. Well, the Daniel Case thing, it's not that he owes him money like directly, right? It's that they did the Dwan challenge. The thing, yeah, yeah, and like Dwan was supposed to pay him penalties for not finishing the challenge, right. basically, and has stopped paying him a long time ago, right? Yeah. But it, now it's like probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, it's it's fair, right? Because if, if he Gates was, was going to win, then Donald Trump was supposed to pay him like one and a half million dollars. If he right? was crushing the biggest games in the world in Macau, that would be no problem. Of course, you're right. He'd be like, go away. Here's yeah. the money. Or fly, I'll fly you out here. We'll finish it or yeah. whatever. You know, Actually, they were doing it online anyway. Of course. You're right. It wouldn't matter. If he didn't want to play, take the time, he'd just pay him off. Yeah. But, okay. So Tom Dwan in trouble. Yeah, probably. He's not really in this hand. He's, he's going <laughs> to... He's, he's in the hand. Yeah, but he doesn't factor into it, really. He was the, he's the first name on the description that you wrote. It's true. And so I assumed he was in the hand. You've watched the hand. I forgot the hand because I, you know, I'm just trying to come up with cool openings, man. Now, Dwan may not admit that he's broke, but somebody in the hand does. That would be Broke Live and JRB. Woohoo! Yeah. He likes to play that up. You know, he might be the opposite where he's actually like, JRB could be in the Helmuth camp of players where it's like his personality gets him in with all of the mm. rich whales and he gets to play these super high stakes games against guys who have no idea what they're doing. They just like that. He's like a goofy guy in yeah. the game. He's like fun. And he and might be just doing, he might be loaded from that stuff. Who knows? I mean, it, if I was guessing, I would say he is backed by either if it's Dan Blazarian or someone else, whatever it is. I, mean, I think they had a falling out actually, but he's backed by some, by someone or some people. He gets to play in all these games. Like you're talking about, he does very well in all these side games that we never see and doesn't do super hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the big games against the really good players, but maybe that's branding for him as much as anything else. And, he, and it's not his money anyway. Right. He, so I would guess he's doing at least pretty well. He did win a bracelet in like a, a pretty prestigious world series event, maybe two years ago. So yeah. like 5k. Um, he won like 600k. That probably doesn't matter in the scheme of things when he's yeah, playing these games. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of money is going to go in this pot. I'll just say that. So broke living is either going to be broker living or living it up or equally broke living because it's not his money. Right. Right. Well, you know, but there's still makeup usually involved and stuff yeah. like that with these kinds of things. So even if you know, it doesn't cost you anything, but it costs you the win next time. Which, by the way, is a big mistake. With all the, when you're staking players for cash games, if you have someone who's going to get really deep in the hole, it changes their incentives dramatically. Yeah. Right. So, like, I know this because personally, like, there was a point uh, many years ago now where I went to the World Series and a friend gave me some money to play with. Yeah. Um, and I, by the way, had my own money, but he wanted to stake me, and so we picked like certain events. I think that he yeah. was staking me on for, and so like. I didn't cash in like the first like seven of them or something like that. So that was fairly deep in the hole. And I remember realizing like, oh, I have to have a big score just to make even a little bit of money on this deal now. So now, of course, you want to be playing for the big score anyway, but it means I'm going to be higher variance than I otherwise would be. I'm going to gamble it up more. And if I'm going to gamble it up more or be more high variance than I think is optimal, because for me it is, but for the ultimate, like that's not good. That right? isn't, that's not good, but it still might be a plus EV spot for the backer. Yeah. Oh, I think it probably still was. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, people have solved this way better than I have. I, ha- I have staked players in the past. Yeah. I, know, I know you have too. Sure. We've done it together. Um, it's We've won and we've lost doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had one individual venture that went really well for me that you you know guided me against, but it worked out really well for me about five years ago. But anyway, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, point is, like, it's tough to know how to structure it to, to make the incentives perfect and also make it so you don't get screwed as the backer. Right? It's really, like, really tough. Makeup seems necessary, but yeah. if somebody's in the hole for, you know, 20 buy-ins and they feel like they're just, like, 
I have no income and I'm supposed to spend like right. 40 hours a week playing for you, but I, I have to give it all to you. So you have to come up with some structure where they get some of the makeup back. It's like a partial makeup deal. Yeah. But then it can take forever to get your money out in makeup deals. It's it's it's, a, it's tricky. I mean, I always would. And I, I'm not saying I did great on my staking stuff. I've staked multiple people over over the years. And I've, I've always staked people where I thought there was clear a clear edge for me. Yeah. Right, for, my, for my horse. So I would think it couldn't be too bad. But... Okay, I'm thinking of one guy who we staked together mm-hmm. who somehow whiffed like on 30 events yeah. in one summer. Like literally every single Which event. Which was very unlucky. Incredibly unlucky. Yeah. So that cost us a real amount of money. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of another guy who is one of the better limit hold'em players. I don't know if I could say in the world, certainly in the US. Mm-hmm. Like really, really good. Um, who I gave some, who I staked. I shouldn't say gave some money. I staked, and he plays very high variance and lost it all pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I think of another limit holding player who I put into a particular game where I knew who was in the game, and I knew it was an incredibly good spot, and he did very well. But then I think he kind of stole, honestly, uh-huh. like most of the money. So I actually, and he paid out enough that I made a little bit of money on it, but but he, then I think he stole like a solid $10,000 from me. Too. That's a real problem with cash game staking versus tournament staking. Like, in most tournaments, you can kind of figure out how yeah. the player did. In a cash game, it's pretty easy to fudge the numbers. If you, if you don't truly trust your stake, like, what, right. are, you, what are you going to do? And, like, the game that I had put him in was no longer available, and so then he was going to other places to play, and I didn't know people in those games, and then he was reporting losses that eventually I just didn't believe, and he stopped being communicative, and it seemed very obvious that he was stealing yeah. eventually, you know? Like, Point, he stopped pretending so much. I mean, live game staking, I feel like you can only do it in, like, to, and feel truly safe if with somebody who you like, like Jonathan, I would stake and yeah. I trust whatever he said, but that's like, you know, one of my best friends in the world. It's yeah. a little different. If it's just a player that your acquaintances, acquaintances with, you like them and you think they're good. It's a very different situation. It, it has to be like the world series of poker where there's elite reporting and you know, everything that happens. You still have to trust them to give you the money though, too. Yes. That, I mean, they could just be like, you know what? Screw you. But it, that's a lot. That's a, that's another bridge. It's right? true. Like it's, it's an true. extra bridge. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, cash games is just, like, a shit show with that. It's there, weird. It's got to be tournaments. The, the, so this guy, who I think stole from me, like, so I gave him originally, I think I gave him, like, a solid $10,000, right, yeah. to play. Um, he paid out my ten k back and, like, another, like, big chunk of money to me, mm-hmm. right? We both did. He had a great, like, few months, and it was fabulous, right? So we, all, we both did really well. And I remember waking up in the morning, like, feeling like I was making, like, 40 bucks an hour or something like that every time I was playing, and I was doing nothing, and I was yeah. super happy. So he paid out, and, like, we were done. And then, because like, he had made enough money to go play on his own, and then like he had some other bad things happen, he asked me to, to reestablish the relationship. I said yes, and that's when I never saw any of that money. Yeah, like suddenly he lost every time, and it's and then eventually he stopped even tr- trying to be believable with it. You know, like yep. it got really, really kind of obvious. So like that was weird too because we already established a thing, but yeah, and that's from the stakers' perspective. It's also there's let's assume you're just a, an above board guy. And sure. From the players' perspective, there's issues also like. It's hard to understand exactly why it would happen. Somebody would have to like see talent in you, but basically to make it make sense, you'd have to, because like assuming you get a pretty good deal, which is like you get 50% of the wins. That's a pretty good deal for like a a non super pro player. Okay. Let's say. Okay. Um, That means you have to double your win rate that you think is possible for like earning a living on, which means the, the backer has to believe in you enough to put you in higher stakes that you, 
think you can win. But you're thinking about it like um, a full time job, yes. and it could be somewhere in between where you like you have a job and you're making enough to like get by, but you don't have any extra money, right? And so you have time to play poker on the side, but you don't have money to play poker on the side. And so this is a way where it takes a while to build up that income, but because someone's putting you in and you're you're a winning player, over time you're going to build that. Yeah, up, Yeah, right? I mean. In my experience talking to people and at least my and my logic that's going on in my head is that most people who are being staked are either trying to get back into being a pro or have not been a pro yet, but are like they th- they're taking a shot at it, but they don't have the bankroll for it. Yeah. And they clearly are good enough according to the whoever's backing them. Right. Right. And so they're willing to put in the full time effort. Yeah. For the most part. It's not untrue. I will say this from the player's point of view. There was one time there was a tournament. There was a Valentine's Day tournament. You may remember Ooh, this. romantic. Yeah. And, um, and they were, it was a local Valentine's Day tournament. And we, you and I were like texting about it or talking about it on the phone or something. And like you had your, at that point, not yet wife, but soon to be eventually wife. So yeah. you, who you'd been with forever um, ish. And so you were like, yeah, I can't play in this tournament. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to play. I just don't feel like it. And you're like, you should play. It's incredible. What a spot. And you eventually offered me, I think you were going to pay the whole thing and gave me 70% of myself. You were that sure of it. And I thought about it and turned you down. I actually played the tournament and turned you down. Yeah. Because, and this is the, the other side of it. That I was thinking, like, either way, I'm going to be unhappy with this arrangement. Right. Either, like, I don't make any money. I, I just bust. And I feel bad about you having to, like, put money behind me and I didn't, like, deliver. Yeah. Or I do well in the tournament and I have to give you 30%, even 30%. Like, that's annoying. Like, yeah. I don't want to do that. So if, you, if you're in tournaments you can't afford, that's different, right? Right. But this is a tournament I could afford. So I just played. So when I realized that, I just played it on my own. And it was like, I, by the way, did bust and saved you a little money. Yeah. Um, but, but, like... But there's that, for me anyway, there's that emotional component. Like, so, so if someone wants to put me in the one drop, fine. Like, obviously, yeah. I'm never going to play that. So then I'm happy to give up whatever, 60% of myself to get in the fucking one drop. And when, you know, if I can cash, oh, my God, that's pretty good. Right? Yeah. But for any tournament I can afford to put myself in, there's just getting back makes no sense right. at all, ever. Yeah, so it's tough to find situations where it really makes sense. Yeah, it's really tough. We had our one friend who we backed in cash games who crushed them. Yeah. And we did very well. Yeah. He did very... He, he In fact... Oh, and then he won an online tournament, so he didn't need to do it. Yeah, he's a very honest person, too. That helped. Oh, yeah. Like, we trusted him. Of course, usually you trust someone, and then you get screwed anyway. Yeah. These things. It happens a lot. But no, it was obviously... No, he, this, guy, this guy paid us out, and then he was like, guys, I'm doing too well. I can't. Yeah. And we were like, we understand. We knew this. We we're knew this we're was sad, but we understand. We made, we, it was like three months, and it was over. It was yeah, like, this guy's like well. one of the best players that we know. Yeah. 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 So like, we, were, yeah, we were doing very well. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. But it's complicated. It's a really complicated thing. And it, it always feels easy until you're in it. And then it's like, oh, mostly it's a bad idea to be staking someone or, being, or even be staked. Yeah. It's an interesting world, the world of staking. Like, yeah. I mean, like, the way that it really works is for the backer when you're like Johnny Backs back in the day, where he like hunted the internet for people who had a certain level of ROI mm-hmm. over a certain sample size and offered them these deals where they could play higher. And it was like, because he had so many, so many people he was taking, it was like a guarantee over time. Basically. Right. Yeah. Like that was, that was smart. That yeah. was a good idea. They could play higher and they could play more. Yeah. Right. So he's like, I'll buy you into all the sun, the Sunday tournaments. Me and me and Sheets will buy into all these things, and when they did it for a bunch of people, and they crush. Yeah, and they would also, by the way, they'd they'd go over these guys' hand histories with them and yeah. make them better in places that they felt they weren't as good. You know, a, a friend of Matt Matros's, who's a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, who was like uh, who liked poker, but was more of an accountant type guy. I think I could be wrong about his job. Uh, he did some work for them, like accounting work for them. Uh, and they were like, wanted to pay him. He's like, I don't want to be paid. I want you to give me coaching. No, no, he said, I want you to back me. And ah. they were like, uh, 
okay, well, let's, let's, let's see what you do, like, for playing-wise. Maybe we'll back, you a little, we'll back you up to the point of this much money, but yeah. beyond that. So, like, he sent him some hand histories, and they, like, spent, like, an hour going over poker stuff with him, and he, like, won the Sunday Million the next week wow. or something like that, yeah. Um, and I don't know that he's necessarily a, even a good player, but, like, that's the kind of shit they would do. That's cool. So they had this stable of really good players who were winning and then made them better also. Like, man, they, they really cleaned up in the yeah, day. Yeah, the Golden Age. Yeah. They found a nice angle in the Golden good Age. Good for them. Yeah. Speaking of the Golden Age, Tom Dwan and John Robert Belland. Tommy D and Johnny P. Hell yeah. And Shawnee P, by the way. John Robert Belland, famously bad at Survivor. Two seasons. No, no Two good. seasons. He, he, went was, he was also in an All-Stars season, I believe. How was he an All-Star? Because he was like, he's a like a personality. Yeah. Oh. He, I think his first season, he got like eighth place, which isn't very good on that show. Right. But he was like, he made an impact, you know. Got it. As being kind of a douche. <laughs> <laughs> he's an, he tells a story once, I remember from High Stakes Poker back in the day or Poker After Dark, where him and Jerry Buss were both playing on, on the table. Mm-hmm. Back when Jerry was still alive, if you're wondering. <laughs> I, yeah, I would assume that would be the case. Yeah. Anyway, so, and of course, Jerry, John Robert, even now, is like, what, 44 years old or something? I don't know what Jerry it is. Jerry Buss at the time was like, you know, very old, 85 yeah. or something. Like. And so, John Robert and Jerry, John Robert was telling a story about how he and Jerry were playing at the table and they were talking and, and they realized that they were dating the same woman at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. That's really so, funny. Yeah. And he, you know, he's obviously. Fine with that. Yeah. Cool with that. So, JRB, he's entertaining. He is. All right. Are we going to do this? Let's get to the hand. Okay. Suggested by Carl with a K. Hey, Carl with a K. It's Carl with a K. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Carl suggested on Twitter, we are the poker guys on Twitter. He included a video link and the timestamp. That's how you got to do it when you suggest a hand, or else we ain't going to do it. Let's get to it. Okay. Here Tom, it is Tom Dwan. Tommy D. Opens the hand from middle position with a six of diamonds to twenty five hundred. He's not going to matter. We're not going to talk about a stack. I assume this is we're playing five hundred a thousand, something like that. Probably four hundred, eight hundred. It's high like stakes poker. It's probably five hundred a thousand. Okay. Um, yeah. Sean Perry, who is the son of Ralph Perry, and for those who don't know who Ralph Perry is, <laughs> no, nobody would know actually who Ralph Perry was, despite him having been a pro. He was not a well known pro, except for one. Yeah. One incident. Look what I did to you. You're not, this is not a professional. You're not a professional. <laughs> How could you let me do this to you? This is, of course, when Tony G pissed Ralph Perry off to the extent that Ralph Perry made a very erratic decision and called off his tournament with King Jack pre-flop when Tony G shoved with Ace Deuce. Tony G, like, like five-bet shoved yeah. or something. Or something. Maybe it was three-bet And Tony G was under Ralph Perry's skin enough that Ralph Perry took King High for his whole tournament and called it off. The funny thing is Tony shoved with Ace Deuce. So, yeah. like, Perry kind of had the sense that Tony was going to be light there a lot and just, like, was, like... Just a little bit too, just a little bit too bad. And then, of course, Tony won with, I think, ace high and then excoriated him. Berated Ralph Perry probably the most besides anybody, besides Phil Helmuth, like of anybody that he's berated in his career. Maybe Andrew Robel. Yeah, Robel probably. And and there's probably other guys we're not aware of. Right, on TV. Yeah, but on On TV, TV. I think think he's probably number three, maybe even higher than Robel, actually. He's pretty intense with Ralph Perry. The the way, yeah, the way he goes after him is similar to Helmuth of the, like, are you sure you're a professional? Yeah, like, like, like it's over. Hang it up, buddy. Yeah, yeah, stop playing. Like, really trying to... Stab it's, him in the heart. And he's doing it after Ralph Perry's already been eliminated from the tournament. Yeah. So there's no like juice to be had except like I'm on TV and I do my thing. Yeah. You know, I'm Tony, I'm Tony G. It's 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 actually sort of the meanest I've ever seen Tony G be. Yeah. Because with Helmuth, Helmuth asks for it. Ralph Perry doesn't. No, Ralph, Ralph Perry seems like quietly. an unassuming guy. Like yeah. he's not he's not Helmuth. Like Helmuth Helmuth is a dick. And like oh, yeah. fine, uh, take him down. But 
Well, Ralph Perry's not a dick. No, this this is actually this is it's incredible to watch. It's really entertaining to watch, but it is the meanest. It's it's Tony G does not come off in a great light in this no. compared to normal Tony G, which is wonderful. The Robo thing is a little off too. Although maybe Robo does take so long that really Tony G is just doing what everybody wants to do. Yeah, and like just like hurry the fuck up, kid. Like. I almost feel like, yeah, that, that's part of it. And maybe like they, t- Tony and or the producers just felt like not enough was happening. And they're like, Tony, could you like have a blow up, please? Like, yeah. it wouldn't shock me if, if that was if they asked him to like blow up. To or they just said, like, moment. you know, we're we're not too worried about your etiquette at the table. Go ahead yeah. and do what you want. Just kind of like yes. let him be a little free. You yeah. Because like, remember, he did the thing where he like claimed not to look at his hand, of yeah. course, and sent it to Joe Hashem and. Got Joe to sort of lie about yeah. it, sort of, and like Joe, it, Joe put himself in a weird spot, really there. bad spot there. Yeah. Joe did, um, and uh, yeah, so so it wouldn't be shocking if Tony was like, so I can just have fun and go for it. They're yeah, like, absolutely. And by the way, that was great. It was the best part of the big game. Yeah, I showed that had a lot of good parts. But anyway, anyway, Sean so that's Perry. Sean Perry is Ralph Perry's son, so and, still carrying a lot of anger. And he's a he's a pro. It seems. I mean, he's playing in this game. He plays in a lot of high stakes tournaments. He's, he's, I think he's a part-time pro, part-time real estate guy okay. in Vegas. So maybe he's doing really well at real estate too, because you wouldn't think that his tournament resume would justify him entering this 501k game with some of the best players in Agreed. the world. Agreed. Maybe, or maybe he just plays, um, yeah, seriously on the side, like cash games. Maybe yeah. he's a big-time cash game player too. I maybe. don't know. Maybe, maybe he is a big-time cash game player and just wins tons of money the, that the way. The fact he's playing any, anything this size, I hope he's a big-time cash game player. Lots of the stuff he does in his hand feels pretty pro-y. Yeah, So does. we're going we're gonna to look at him... In the light of a professional, no matter what Tony G thinks about the bloodline. Okay. You know? All right. So Sean Perry, after Dwan opens with a six of diamonds, is directly to Dwan's left. I believe he's in the hijack. Mm-hmm. He has 316K. He's got aces. Ace of hearts, ace of spades. He's going to three bet it to 8K. Folds to JRB, broke living. Woo! In the small blind. <laughs> he's got 334K and sadness in his heart. And yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of sadness. This is one we're going to have to discuss. I know. Is this spew? Or is it not? Is it just like, I'm supposed to do this every once in a while? From the small blind, he makes it 30K with 10 eight of diamonds. Yeah. Four, four best to 30K. What do we think? <sighs> okay. Well, first of all, I think from a sizing point of view, this is perfectly fine. Good sizing. I yep. agree. I think this is going to work a lot against a lot of the ranges mm-hmm. that were up. Or not the range, but I should say the, the midi, middle to bottom of the ranges. This is going to fold out all those hands. Like, yeah, ace-queen is probably going to fold. Ace-queen probably just has to fold here. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that part I really like. Um, the fact that he's in the small blind is where, in where, is where he's doing it from, right? Yeah. Um, if we're going to pick a seat to do it from... That's a pretty good one to do it from. I mean, this is a hand you would just fold, though. Like, we wouldn't call the three bet normally anyway. No, of so course it, not. So, it doesn't, so it's not really the same as if... It isn't like we have King Jack suited here. And we're like, gosh, I want to call here, yeah. but I can't call. I shouldn't call. 10-8 suited, you shouldn't want to call a three bet anyway. No. So even if we're on the button... So in that way, it doesn't really matter as much. So then we have to look at it more positionally, which is not super great. No. Gonna, if, if we get called, we're going to be out of position with this hand. We're not, we're not making this play to get called, though. Obviously, obviously. we're trying to win. But, we don't, but we're not making this play to get called. We have no blockers to anything. I was just going to say Like, that. we block pocket tens. We block ace ten suited? Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't block much at all, and that, that does suck. However, we do want to have some three bets that don't have blockers, right? We want to have some three bets that... Four bets? Sorry, four bets, whatever. We want to have some pre pre flop bluffs that aren't only blockers because then it's actually a little easy to figure out what the bluffs are later on right we need to have some suited connector type stuff in there so that part makes it okay i, I agree with that however i'm 10 8 suited feels a little i'm concerned about thin. the stack depth like uh, mm, that's fair i know we have 300 blinds to start the hand but i mean in order to, to not anymore 
Maybe we need to have like 500 plus to justify these types of hands as four bets for balance's sake. I mean, I would guess that what's happening is Dwan's opening a lot and Sean Perry's three betting Dwan a lot, right? That could be happening. So if that's happening, that, that justifies this a lot more. Without that piece of knowledge, I think this has got to be terrible. I'd like a hand that flops a little better. Like, I, I know it's mm. pretty, but like 10-9 suited feels so much better. Like I agree. Because when we get called, we have so many more opportunities to win. It just right. feels so much better. We're not, and we're not going to flat 10-9 suited either. So, right. And we're not going to four bet bluff very often, especially from the small blind. So 10-8 suited does feel like it shouldn't be in the range. Yeah. So I think that is part of the mistake. It means he's probably bluffing too much here. Right. Unless he just picked up something on one of these guys incorrectly, I would guess. Yes. But, and he thinks like, oh, it doesn't matter what I have. Like, I think they're weak. I don't think that's what's going on. Okay, well, then then I don't think this is really justifiable with this hand in this spot. Right. Like we'd want to be on the button. Um, we'd want to have a better hand. One of those two things, at least, if not both of like those Like 8-9 suited or 9-10 suited, if we're going to do it, right? Just yes. something that has more flops that we feel comfortable going with. And back to your point, a blocker would be nice. Yeah. I'd rather have ace-3 off here right. and make this play for sure. Yeah. But, but you can justify having 7-8 suited, 9-10 suited once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while. It just feels like we, we went a little bit too far with it, with the suited one gapper. Yeah. Again, maybe there is just is that uh, I usually won't make this play even without a blo- with a, without a blocker against against most players. Right. Like I'll just I'll just throw this one away and be like, okay, but I'm I got my radar out. I'm looking. I'm like really excited to see an ace or a king, so I can four bet them. But like that helps me decide when to yeah. four bet instead of just sort of auto doing it. I mean, maybe this is the case, but if to do this in a cash game too, you have to know that it's an iterated game. They're going to be playing these players a lot over a long period of time. Because you can't leverage your stack so well. It's, it, it's just cash, right? Like in a tournament, you can take your spots mm-hmm. and it can be extremely powerful because of ICM pressure, right? Yeah. But in a cash game, if you're just going to play this one six-hour session or whatever and maybe never see these guys again, you should not be doing this, I don't think. There is a little, it is a little different, though, in this situation, right? Because it's televised, it's streaming, and everyone yeah. gets to see his hand no matter what. So maybe it's actually there's some extra meta value for a JRB to he be able to show he, up with. But he doesn't need that. Okay, I agree. But let me just finish <laughs> yeah. the thought. He can show up with a four bet from the small blind with this hand. Yeah. Maybe it means maybe he's actually very tight in these spots. Almost always. He's like, okay, once in a while on TV, I have to show up with this crazy, a crazy hand in this spot. So that way it's going to like, people are going to remember that hand. And by the way, people are going to remember there this are, hand. It, there almost certainly is some value to be had. There. So there's that. Because yeah. he, if he's playing in all these games, like this may be, even if he were to lose this hand in a big way. There may be real value. Yeah, I just this. think Jeremy's on TV enough. We could wait for a suited connector instead of this I hand. Agree. Or, or a bad ace yeah. or whatever. I completely agree with you. I think you should not do it with the, for all the reasons we just said. All right. So we, we at least slightly dislike this play. Yeah. It's not awful. At least the sizing is good. Yeah. Like, I feel like so often we see bad sizing in this spot. Maybe just because I'm watching so much poker time and I feel like most of the four bets and even three bets are usually too small. Mm-hmm. This is really strong sizing that will work against, like we said, if ace queen is folding, you're doing your job. Yeah. Dwan folds, a six suited, so partway there. Unfortunately, the, he had two diamonds. The Yakuza got him. <laughs> they finally got him. <laughs> All right. You're the son of Ralph Perry. You're still reeling from the Lamarckian evolution <laughs> hit you took from Tony G. You feel it in your soul. Yeah. Um, how do you proceed? Is this mostly a call or mostly a five bet? Um, I think we're supposed to five bet. I think it's mostly a call. Really? Yeah. When JRB makes it this much in position and we're the last to act, we, we get to be in position yeah. with the stack to pot ratio as it's going to be. I think we're going to be able to get it all in by the river against most of JRB's good hands anyway. And if he has, if we think he has any bluffs, like let's give him a shot. I, 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 right. I'm not, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on this, but I lean, yeah. I lean slightly towards call. 
Okay. So let's, let's, let me push back on some of that. I wish you would. <laughs> so first of all, I'm not sure we can easily get all in if we just call here. So if we call, there's going to be like 65,000 in the pot. We're going to effectively have 285,000. Yeah. Right. So just playing it out. Let's say, okay, we're going to be in position. So let's assume one bet goes in on every street. Okay. Yeah. JRB on the flop is going to size down almost always, right? He, Depends on the texture, probably. Okay. But okay. On a lot of flops, he's going to size down. Sure. Right. Um, 22K, 25K. Sure. Let, let's, just, let's call it 20. Let's call it 25. Okay. Even that feels like a little high to me, actually. I would guess it's going to be closer to 20 to 22. Okay. Um, but something like that, right? Let's call it 20. Okay. So we put another 40K in the pot. So now we've got. 105k and the effective stacks are 265. Mm-hmm. On the turn, let's say he sizes it up. Yeah. So let's say he makes it 80. Yeah. That's pretty big. That's a big bet, but possible yeah. in a cash game. 75. Okay. So maybe we can get there now. Now we're gonna have okay, you know what? We're gonna be able to go all in on the river. Yeah. You're right. It's gonna be less than one to one. Okay. All right, that's good. That's good. We're gonna need a bet to go in on all the streets, but it's possible to do it. Um, okay. So I, I mean it really comes down to if you think he has any bluffs or not. And what do you think he's going to do with hands like queens and jacks? Like, is he going to fold to some five bets with those hands? Because that would be a problem. That would be a problem. Part of it is how we size the five bet. Yeah. Right? If we size it too big, we're going to lose. We might lose almost everything yeah. if we size it too big, where he's just like, how can you have anything but aces now? Right. When I cold four bet from the small blind and you put in a big five. Aces or kings, maybe. Like, jacks feel like they just have to fold if it's an overwhelming size. If you size it small enough, all the, all the hands have to call. Yeah. Right? And, and you're making a stack to pot to ratio much more favorable to you. Can you size it small enough that all the hands have to call from a balance perspective if you're expecting to have some bluffs sometimes? Ah, good question. Good question. I don't know that you can. You have to make it so you have fold equity against the worst hands. That would do this. Well, the ver- like the hands like Ace Three are going to fold. Okay, right. You have to have fold equity against hands like Ten Eight suited. I think, like, if you want to have balance. Um, I mean, it depends. Like, if okay, because you well, we might not think he has very many of these suited connector type hands. We may think he's either got a really really big hand All or right. a hand like Ace Three off. All right, let's say Ace Queen. Okay, then maybe JRB is like, I just don't yes. want to play this without the lead out of position. Right. I mean, if you make it small enough, he's going to be forced to. Right. Yeah, and that's your question. Yeah, like. Shouldn't we be able to fold out those types of hands for the sake of balance? For balance. Yeah. When we have ace-four suited, you know, we want to right. be able to fold those hands out. Yeah, this is, this is an interesting question. Um, we should, yes, if we're going to be able to five bet, we should be able to fold those out for the sake of balance. So if we're trying to be balanced here, the small bet is not going to work yeah. in, in the, as we would want it to be. So the question is, is that necessary? Do we want to do that or do we just want to... Try and make as Just much milk money. it as milk as it, much. milk this one spot. That's what we'd be doing, right? Right. And and like we can force a call. We yeah. can put more money in and force a call for sure, right? Like we just can, I think. With with at least most of his range. Maybe not ace three. I think I think if we click it back, ace three probably folds, right? Maybe. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe he's like, I hope you have kings. I call. It's yeah. like I'm getting three to one. Yeah. Maybe he just feels like he has to see a flop. Hope he, hope he flops an ace. I think all of this discussion is because Perry does five bet. Of course he does. does. it small. He bets he five bets to 70K, so 40K more. Yeah. He's giving JRB a pretty great price. You know, it's 40K to win 104K. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's what's interesting here, right? Yeah. So, like, I, so I think he's forcing a hand like 10-8 suited to call here. You don't necessarily agree. I don't think you should call with 10-8 suited. That's the real conversation which we're, we're, we've been circling for five minutes. Well, JRB doesn't circle it for that long. He calls pretty quickly, so he's on your side. Okay, but... 
That is not necessarily a great endorsement of my position. Oh, but it's JRB. I love him, but yeah. I don't know that it's a great endorsement of my position yet. So let's, no. let's, let's go a little deeper, okay? Okay. So I mean, why don't you start? Because I feel like I have the, we're getting a great price. We're closing the action. Yeah. I can get more into it, but that's my quick response to that. What's your thought on why we My thought is, a, is often a thought that you have before me or are eager to point out uh, against one of my points in, in other spots, yeah. which is the stack to pot ratio is not good for this type of hand out of position. No question. Like it's going to be a shit stack to pot ratio for us. It's basically yeah. a two to one stack to pot ratio. Right. Actually less than that. It's really bad for this kind of a hand out of position. Yep. Pretty bad. And like, how often is this event happening that we're getting five bet after four betting with 10, eight suited in the small blind? Like it's not a thing we have to defend against It'd be like, you can't exploit me right with my 10, eight suited. It's not about that. Yeah. It's not, it's about, it's about the actual value, like of, direct price. Yeah. Like obviously against, against his range, you can win sometimes with one pair, but it's rare. And how often is that pair going to be top pair with 10, eight suited? Not that often. Um, that is, the, that is a problem. I, I, one pair is going to be a real hard hand to play if we were to flop one pair. I think, I think we're looking for flush draws and big draws and big flops, and mostly. I think this is a recipe for spew. Like, mm-hmm. It just feels like we're putting ourselves in a spot where we're too likely to give away money. Like, big, Fine, flopping a flush draw with two overs sounds nice, but you're still not yeah. getting there even close to half the time against the range that gets it in against you. Um, that is true. But if you look at the, okay, but what do you think are, okay, what's the price we're getting when, when this happens? So it costs us 40K to win how much? 104. Okay, so we're getting an immediate two and a half to one, yeah. right? Plus, we assume some implied odds down yeah. the road. So like, there's going to be more money coming in. We know that. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, ten, how do you think 10-8 suited is doing against pocket aces of a different suit, to be clear? Yeah. I, I, is that what they actually have, by the way? Yes. A different suit? Yes. Good. Um, what do you think the equities are? Because I just ran it. I'm going to guess 10-8 suited as 22%. Wow, you're really good. 21.6%. Grant wow. Dennison, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's really impressive. Okay, so we're getting an immediate 2.5 to 1, which obviously is not 22%, right? Um, that's 40%. Yeah. Um, but if we, impl- if we include implied odds here, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I mean, that, that means we're getting it every time we, we flop well enough. And the implied odds, I don't know if we're getting there. Like, we have to first flop two pair plus. Okay, well, hold on. Or get, ha, be able to get there. We, we don't always have to get there. But you're not thinking about the reverse implied odds of, the, of well, flopping a flush draw. Well, let me, let me finish. Well, it goes both ways. So we flop a flush draw, we check raise all in, some version yeah. of that, right? Um, sometimes we get called and get there. Sometimes we, f- we get folds because we're actually up against ace-king, yeah. which is really valuable to us to fold out. An, an easy fold for our opponent, right? Every time we're not up against Ace King, I think we're getting called. Sometimes we get called by a, a good hand and we lose. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course, no, that too. But I'm saying, like, if you include all the folds we get from from all from Ace King, which I, I mean, assume is going to be, we have to question. We have to question if Sean Perry is going to five bet sixteen combos of Ace King in this position. That's a, that's a good question, yeah. and I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, and is he going to five bet this small with ace-kings? Right. This is actually part of it. That's also a really good... If ace-king isn't part of this range, it's a much tougher play. Yeah. We, we, need, we need to be able to have some fold equity post-flop some of the time when we flop a big draw. Yep. Otherwise, what the hell are I we I think doing? too many things have to align. I, I think, to be clear, if we were 500k deep, I think it's fine, Nicole. Yeah. I just don't think the stack to pot is enough to justify it. Oh, man. We're getting two and a half to one. We just need another... 
Can we at least sixty thousand? Can we, we another be in position? Sixty thousand out of him. Can we at least be in position? I well, mean, I wish we could, but we can't because we're, we're they, they put the button so to the fuck, guy on my so right. So fuck this. We gave Ralph Perry's kid thirty k. The kid needs it. He's sad. <laughs> we need it. We're broke living <laughs> over here. Uh, also, I think like we, we may decide that their hands were folding here, but probably. Not these. It's probably like the ace threes. Okay, let's actually talk about that. Would we rather have ace three or would we rather have let's let's say nine ten suited? Because eight ten suited. I'd rather have nine ten suited than ace three. Me too. Against this range for sure. Even though like we flop an ace every so often and then that's just suddenly gonna be good. Of course, it's hard to get any money when we flop the ace. And at least nine ten suited if we hit in any real way and we get there with our flush or straight or whatever, or we make two pair or whatever, we're almost always gonna get paid. Yeah, all of these things are great points if we're five hundred K deep. It just feels like we're too short for this. I mean you're convincing me more than I thought you would. I'll yeah. have to say. Uh, I don't know if I can turn down. See, you have it's a, forty to win one oh six. The problem for you, Jonathan Levy, is that inside of you there are two wolves. Yes, there is the value hound. Yes, who desires the two and a half to one. He he covets it with such such a a of of. I can't even think veracity. of the word a veracity. Like you're foaming at the mouth in the woods for this two and a half to one. But then. There's the kinder, gentler wolf who worries about stack to pot ratio constantly. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, it makes playing No Limit very difficult. <laughs> and that, <laughs> you, know what, you know what that wolf does? It makes sure that those wolf pups, they survive. <laughs> yeah. They grow up in the woods and they, they live. I mean, I, there's definitely an amount that Sean Perry could make it that if I were a JRB, I'd be like, well, now we have to fold. I just don't. I just don't know how it could be 40K, even though your points all really make sense to me. I have to admit, like, they really do. It's still, maybe I just have to like you're rewire fo- something. You're focusing too much on the odds as if they all are in our favor. Like there are reverse implied odds involved here. Yeah. No, I know. Like when we, what, what happens when we flop an eight? Yeah. <laughs> well, we have, we have, you know, we have equity when we flop an what eight. What happens when we flop uh, six, seven deuce and he bets, he down bets. Like we call once. Yeah. And we're losing more. Like that's not a good expected value situation. <laughs> no, it's really not. Yeah. That is a problem. If we hit the nine, though, we might be able to get all of it. Of course, if we hit an eight or ten, we might pay off. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not good enough at the stack depth. (sighs) No, I mean, the stack depth thing is is a real issue here. There's no question about it. (sighs) Man. The other thing is, once in a while, we could... um, We might flop really well. (laughs) (laughs) No shit. (laughs) But not often enough to justify it. Not very often. Not very often at all. Once again, if we were 500K deep, sure. I agree. Man, it always sucks being in these situations. I remember being four bet. So this is, he's been five bet. I remember being four bet in a uh, $1,100 Binion's tournament where I three bet ace queen and the guy clicked back four bet. Yeah, that tournament that was like way tougher than we expected. (laughs) Yeah, it was a tough tournament. Um, No, that's a different one actually. It's a different one. Um, But I remember this and I remember thinking like, I just have to call. Like I'm not fucking folding ace queen to a click back. Like I'm getting th- like three and a half to one or something with all the extra money in there. There's no way I'm folding. And I was like, well, if I flop a queen, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> like if I flop an ace, I guess I'm holding on. I don't know. Like whatever. Like I'm probably not going to fold a flop top pair and yeah. probably going to lose a lot, but whatever. Yeah. This is, this is that side of it. You know, this is like, I don't know how I can fold ace queen for a click back inside of you. There are two wolves. Yeah. Well, I will say you did a pretty darn good job fighting back against what I thought was going to be uh, a very difficult wall to climb yeah. with your with your points. And maybe you're right. Maybe I got a grappling just, hook. It's called logic. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there just isn't enough to be won. Like we lose too much too often post flop, 
and we win too little too often post-flop. At this deck, the pot ratio, it's too easy to justify going with a weaker flop than, it, like, if we're right. deeper, we can also, like, get away more easily, too. Of course. You know? Of course. Um, yeah, also, we fold a lot on the turn, yeah. like, on and if we're deeper, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's, like we said, it's going to be... Aces can get all in based on the stack to pot ratio yeah. based on even with just calling, let right. alone putting this extra bet in. Now aces are going to have no problem getting all in right. if we have something to call them with. That Like, what do we have to call them with? It's got to be like one pair. That's, right. that's it, right? I mean, often we're just going to miss and fold. Yeah. That's good. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> How is that a good result? It's better than, you know, putting in more money and losing more money. Yeah. That's all. That's all. Yeah. This is one of those spots. Do you ever have this though, where like you call you call like a five bet like this, and you're like kind of hoping to miss. You ever feel that? It's like I hope I miss because otherwise, no, because, all sorts of hell is going to break. No, because loose. I don't call in these spots. Right. Yeah, I always call in these spots. But but maybe you're right that we're just not deep enough, and you just can't justify it otherwise. This is why the kids in the old days used to do all these clickbacks, right? And yeah. then everyone learned to stop folding to the clickbacks, right? Um. So. But this is also a cash game. I don't know. It's different. Also, there were a million tournament bluffs, clickback bluffs. Yeah, they were then. all bluffs. Yeah, I don't know that there's too many five-bet clickback bluffs. Not too many. In these plays. Unless we know Sean Perry really well, which maybe he does, but we maybe, don't. Maybe. Maybe he's got that play. But since we, we have no reason to believe that, right? I mean, if JRB knows Sean Perry and they play together all the time and Sean Perry always shows up with ace wheel suited here, you just you fine, you can call. Or but, you could re-raise, yeah. by the way. You could just be like, eh. Let's go. Yeah. That sounds crazy, though. It does. I think calling is better. <laughs> yeah, if you can show up with ace wheel suited, or if you know he's got all the combos of ace king always, and maybe even a little ace queen. Yeah. Or something like that. If or, these, or other aces. If other these aces. things are the case, I'm okay with the call. But there's no reason to believe that. If they're not, then I don't like it. Yeah, okay. <sighs> JRB does it again. Well, at least this one isn't like, oh, there's sometimes J, JRB does stuff, and it's like the whole world's like, just fold. Well, those It's are the- so obvious to fold. Remember the ace jack hand against Phil Hummuth? Yeah. Like that's like he bet he raced like five k. Phil Hummuth went all in pre for I believe one hundred and twenty k or something. And Jeremy thought for seven minutes and called with Ace Jack off. Like I mean, he makes what seem like emotional decisions that end up being wrong. The Ace Jack off call is like horrific against Phil Hummuth. Yeah, all people like absolutely horrific. Like that's like I don't want to look dumb on TV. Call I guess. But yeah. Guess what just happened by not wanting to look dumb on TV? <laughs> like holy shit. Yeah. Like that's we can all band together on that one. This one at least there's like arguments on both sides. And I think I, I think you've actually successfully convinced me that yeah. this is a fold, but at least it wasn't obvious to me instantly, you know, and I, I would guess that's true for a lot of people. To be clear, I think JRB, when he plays his A game, is a capable, good player who knows the mechanics of the game well yeah. and stuff. I think he, he gets knocked off his A game too easily. I think what we also see mostly for him is he gets confused by good players. I think he often assigns trickier mm-hmm. things to good players than they would have. He thinks people are like double, triple, quadruple reversing. And really, there's not too much of that. Yeah. You know, like there's a little, but like, and re- like, he's trying to like figure out like level, play the leveling game with like Tom Dwan and stuff like that. Instead of just like, just beat the hell out of Bill Klein, man. Yeah. Like do that. That's, that probably is what he's doing mostly. Well, actually. he's probably doing that in the side game. Yeah. Right? And it's probably how he makes his actual living. Yeah. And that's fair. But, um, but he struggles to like outlevel Phil Galfond and company, as we all would. Of course, but, like, we would. but he's trying to, and yeah. maybe that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe it's fine. You know, it's fine with him that it's not his money. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Either way, yeah. Here we are. Okay. Another place you could be would be Nitrogen Sports, though. You could be both. Whoa! 
Yeah, you could be where you are and nitrogen sports. That's at the true same because time. it's on the internet. So basically, the internet exists everywhere. I didn't mean it that way. I meant there was a quantum state that exists oh. where, you're, where you're in superposition. You can be in both spots I see. at the same time. Your Schrodinger's situation type of thing, sort of. Um, and you would, uh, and we wouldn't know. And in fact, you are in both places at the same time. And then whichever you end up being is where you are here, but you actually are in the other place too, but in a different universe. That made perfect sense. <laughs> quantum realm stuff. Anyway, please continue with the ad. I will. Great. Nitrogen sports poker where it's for you. <laughs> it's the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> the multiverse includes such benefits as casino games, sports betting, and poker, including our monthly poker guys tournament. It is always a great overlay, but you can only access it. If you use the link in the description of this podcast, when you sign up for nitrogen, signing up is super easy. Just a username and a password. It is a Bitcoin only poker site. It's pretty easy to get and use Bitcoin these days. And by the way, they give it to you fast when you want it back. When you <laughs> cash out the tournament, you make a big win. Get that Bitcoin real fast. 90 minutes or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say some stuff. Yeah, it's not a fear-based site. It's a Bitcoin-only site. If you're, Are there fear-based sites? <laughs> I mean, probably. There's like scary stuff out there on the Where internet. Where fear is used, as, man. Fear, fear is used <laughs> as a currency? I mean, maybe in certain countries that I'm not... Estonia? I don't know what happens in Estonia. <laughs> I don't either, actually. I've never been to Estonia. Very little knowledge about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great thing. As Grant said, all the stuff that he said, <laughs> sports betting, casino games, incredible overlay on our fabulous monthly tournament. Bitcoin only, link in the description. Oh, no, link and the tweet. He said it all. Link in the description. Link in the description. <laughs> Who knows? Who's listening to any I of this? I wish Nitrogen would finally <laughs> let us do our ads without their scripts. You know? Like that felt so stilted. You know, you could you could tell you could tell we were reading off a script the whole time. It's true. It's true. It's really annoying. Okay. I'm just gonna edit here. Okay. I'm finally gonna go off book completely. I'm putting down my script. Okay. I wanna say, Nitrogen Sports, if you're listening. Let, set us free, man. <laughs> let, let us, us just let us, stop with the scripts. We'll do a better job with your ads if you just let us say what we want to say. Yeah. Not not your your totalitarian scripts that hold us down. I know. It's like so obviously a script. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so we're heading to the flop with $144,000 in the pot. Yeah. JRB's got 10-8 suited diamonds in the small blind. Sean Perry has aces, no diamonds in position. Mm. I, think, I think the hijack. The flop is one of those problems for JRB. It's the ten of spades, five of diamonds, seven of hearts. It's one of those problems. <laughs> flop top pair. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're in check call mode, right? Like, what else can we do? We have to check call this one. That's what he does. He checks. Perry down bets 40K. Seems good. Yeah. JRB could raise to protect against Ace King. That seems absurd. It seems like we are in game three disaster mode for we to raise. Yeah. I don't think we're folding out. Even Queens... If somehow Queens can be here. Yeah. There's not much to say on this flop. Both yeah. players do really expect. Agreed. He makes the call. Great. Pot's 224,000. Okay. The turn is the nine of clubs. Damn it. We keep having reasons to stick around. We're open-ended, bro. JRB is now open-ended. 10, 7, 5, 9. Rainbow board. JRB has 10, 8. Sean Perry has aces. JRB checks again. Is Should there he? an argument for leading? Yeah, I was just thinking. I think this may be a time to lead right now. Repping... Uh, I don't know if it, what are we repping? We could have a set. We could have two. We could have 10, nine. What, although what do we think isn't going to bet on the turn, right? We think Queens are checking back. They're probably betting, right? All the overpairs are betting again, right? Well, we'll talk about that when it gets to Perry. Okay. But, um, well, I'm just trying to figure out from the, uh, yeah. from, from JRB's point of view, like if we had, let's say top two now, right? Somehow we had 10, nine yeah. suited. 
um, which clearly we can have. Yeah. Uh, it'd be weird to lead instead of like check raise, right? Like, wouldn't we just check raise with all our really strong hands instead of lead? You'd think so. So that's a reason not to bet, even though it does feel like a lead in that I don't want to give Ace King a free card, I guess. If we have two pair, we would lead. Uh, not we wouldn't right. care. We wouldn't like, care. They're drawing dead. You're right. So that's why it does, that's why we just can't. Re- so yeah. I don't think we can lead. I thought originally I was thinking leading was cool. No, I think it's not. Yeah, I think it's lame. I think it's lame too. All right. So he checks. Good. You think Perry should bet aces? Yes. Ten fives. Yeah, we're mostly targeting the other over pairs, right? I think we're. I think queens is like right in my bullseye freaking zone. I think we have to call check shoves too. Because of the stack the pot and because maybe JRB takes jacks because it turned to gut shot and check shoves like for a little bit of extra fold equity, potentially type of thing. Yeah, he could also have a hand. He could have an eight somehow. No, it's the only way he has an eight is if he has pocket eights. Yeah. Um, and he might check shove pocket eights, but it's a weird decision because what are you hoping to happen, right? What, yeah. what kind of good outcomes happen? I think we have to call a check shove, but it's not a great spot. It's not a great spot. But I think we have to call anyone, especially with aces. That makes it so. easier to bet. Yes. As Perry. The just stack to pot makes this whole thing really easy. Right. right? We just say, like, okay, I mean, like, basically, in my head, I'm all in. I hope he has an overpair. Right. Yeah. And if he has a set or so two like, pair or whatever. So be it. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? Somehow it's jack eight. Yeah. Seems impossible. Yeah. I, I think, so I think betting is good. Yeah, Perry, me too. Perry goes pretty small again. He bets 70K into 224. How, how deep is Perry at this point? Let's see. Or effective after this bet? He started with 316. He four bet to 70, so he's at around 250 there. Put another 40 in on the flop. So yeah. 210, and he bets 70 here. Yeah. So he's got 140 left. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's definitely, he's effectively all in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With, with this hand. Right. I guess he's betting the 70K just to ensure the JRB doesn't make some sort of hero fold with queens or something. Yeah, because he's like, I'll just shove the river. Yeah. Like, no problem. And maybe JRB's going to be like, with queens, he's like, I guess I check raise all in now. Yeah. Like, whatever. It's, we're all, every time you have me beat, we're getting it in anyway. I'm going to deny equity and make sure I win this pot. It's not great. You're probably checking back Ace King on the river anyway. You know, actually, it's kind of a great idea if, if JRB has Queens probably to check raise all in. Now that I think, it, think yeah, it. maybe is Ace King really going to shove the river after we go call call and it looks probably like not. Queens. So denying equity is probably worth it. We're um, never getting called by a worse hand, right? No, it's just about denying yeah. equity because we figure all the better hands are we're going to call against all the better yeah. hands anyway. Yeah. Although I guess an Ace or King could come on the river, we get away from it. But anyway, um, so okay, he bets seventy k. All right, so JRB does have an open-ender and a 10. I think it's pretty close, but I don't think he's getting the right immediate odds against overpairs. But hmm. if you give Perry any ace-kings, then you have to call. The problem, of course, is if we, are, if we call and we improve, we may not get any more money. There may be no more money to yeah, be had here. That's true. A 10 would be scary, an 8 would be scary, and all the straights that we make would be a scary. A 6 or a jack is going to be scary, too. Yeah. He's probably checking back all of it. Yeah, that is a problem. We can lead the river, but is he going to call? I don't think he is. Like, what's he beat? Let's say a jack comes on the river, and we suddenly go all in. Yeah, we're not doing that with queens. It'd be very strange for us to do that yeah. with queens. So we have, like, jacks at worst. We have a set of jacks. Yeah. Maybe we have a set of tens, but, like, whatever. We, might have, we, might have, we have a set at worst. Like, it's going to be really hard for him to call. Yeah. So that's the one reason to check raise all in is, like, to get value when we get there. But we probably don't get there enough for that to, for that to be justified. Right? Also, we... Deny equity to Ace King if Ace King can ever still be here making this play like this, betting these amounts. I don't think this is enough. I think it's got to be a call, especially with top pair. I think we have to call. It's, I mean, we're getting this great price. Yeah. We're getting four to one. We're not quite getting there enough. I mean, four to one is pretty good. Like, we're going to get there 20% of the time with it. We, we have eight outs for the straight. Yeah. We have 
we think a 10 is almost always good. So we have two outs there. And so I that's guess 10 we, outs. And I guess then, we have the eight. Yeah, we assume the eight is, is usually good then also. Then we do have the right outs, yeah. I suppose, if we yeah, have yeah. the eight too. So yeah. we probably got... Theory, there's 13 outs. We could probably knock it down to 12 just in case he has jacks once in a yeah. while. Call it 12 outs. That's that's fine. That's four to one. Yeah. So I guess we have to call. This is why I didn't want to call preflop. Look at what situation we're well, in here. Wait, when we hit it eight on the river, we did fine. All right. The pot's 364K. The river is the oh, seven of diamonds. Oh, I thought you were going to say the A. It sounded like the A. Uh, it's the uh, seven of diamonds. Yeah. So it's now. That's not good. 10, 5, 7, 9, 7. No flush came in. Yeah. JRB sitting there with just a no kicker top pair. Yeah. Perry's got aces. We shouldn't be here, I, th- I believe. I don't think we should be here. But that's where we are. It's understandable how we got here, though. Like I don't, I, I, I think I agree with you, but I, I can't fault them that much for get for us. Certainly can't fault them the, for the calls on the flop and the turn. Right, of course not. I'm talking about I, the reason why we shouldn't be here in my mind is because we shouldn't have four bet this hand to start with. Let, uh, I know you think we shouldn't have called the five bet. I think I, think I agree with you, but really we, that's at least close. The four bet feels like a, more of a mistake. They, with they this both hand. feel like yeah mistakes to me. All right. <laughs> so JRB checks. Yes, of course. There, Perry's got 136. There's 364. Easy. Easy. You just shot. have to go for it. If he somehow, I mean, what sevens? Is he? he has a seven suited. We block that he's, anyway. He's probably got seven, eight suited if he has 10, eight suited. But so be it. So be it. Yeah. Like, we have to go for value here with this hand. I agree. And if he we, might, he he might have, have just shoved that anyway if he river trips. And like he might yeah, that's left. right, actually. Um, I think we have to shove um, aces, kings, and queens and probably not jacks, right? I agree. Yeah, jacks we check back. We might even not shove queens. It depends. Like, do we think JRB is really going to six bet shove kings preflop? He could show up. With Maybe kings. not. He could Maybe show up right. with kings here. But we can. But it's close at least then, right? Because if he has kings and jacks in equal amount, which he probably does. Yeah. He's always calling kings. Is he always calling jacks? Don't know. Yeah. So okay, that's a reason not to shove. Also. Yeah. Okay. So queens is at least a thought. Aces and kings are an easy shove. Yes. Jacks is a check. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. So that's what he does. He shows for 136K, and here we are. One of yeah. those classic JRB spots. We did it, everybody. <laughs> so we it's 136K it. to win 500K even. Oh, my God. 10, 5, 7, uh, 9, 7. All right. So we're losing to all the over pairs. 136 to win 500. Would Perry, like, you asked the question on the turn. Would Perry even shove ace-king after we call the turn? Because it's like looks like we're calling pretty frequently. That's a big question we have to answer. I think it's a really big question, too. How often does he have a bluff is another way of asking the yeah. same question, right? Um, that he takes this line. It away. feels unlikely. It feels very, very unlikely. Let's try and put a number on it. Percentage. Now, we don't know this guy, but let's do it based on everything we do know. All right. Well, in order to do that, we'd have to do the combos. How, okay, sure. Let's do some combos. So everything we do know, let's say his only bluffs are... Ace King, and then we'll give him a few extra combos just of whatever's. Could he? Um, was there a flush draw at any point, like on the turn? No. Even? So he couldn't backdoor to flush draw? No. Okay. Um, ace six. Could ace, ace six ever bet the turn? Maybe. So Maybe. we give him like a third of a combo because of preflop? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's not that valuable, is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Ace King. So ace we'll give King. him some, some combos of Ace King. Maybe, Maybe. like four combos okay. of Ace King? Let's give him four. That I don't know. That feels may be too generous. Many. I agree. Let's start there, and we'll see if we want to refine it. All right. He's definitely. Let's assume he's definitely shoving all aces and all kings. Yes. So that's twelve combos there. Yep. And then sometimes queens. Sometimes yes. he'll have tens full, probably. Which there's only one combo from our perspective. He's not going to have it very often. He's not going to five click five back yeah. tens very often pre at all. That's true. So maybe like half a combo. That's true. There's only three combos out there. I would think half a combo at most. 
So I think we can throw that away too. Like we're throwing away a six. Yeah. We're getting like 3.75 to one. Okay. So the 12 combos versus four combos is okay for now. Like if we're, if we're just giving him aces, kings and ace king, we're doing okay with those combos. Yeah, well, I think we're getting better than that, wasn't it? It's 136 to win 500, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 3.75. You're right. Okay. Yeah. My mistake. So, we're, we're, so the combos that we've decided on kind of arbitrarily make it 3 to 1. So we're doing good in that case. But I don't think that's really how it is. Like, it just, the bluff seems so much less likely than this. It feels like he's going to give up more of the time with ace-king when yeah. it goes his way. Because really, I really think we have queens a lot. I know we don't. Yeah, but boy, I think we like everything looks like we have queens and maybe kings once in a while and jacks, right? And by the way, if we just give Perry queens also, like you initially thought he would probably shove queens, yeah. then it's already too, it's already yeah. bad. Even if we give him the four combos of ace king. So, and just to um, quantify it, when you say we have three we're three point seven five to one ish, what it really means is we have to be right. We have, if we call, we need to be able to win with this hand twenty seven point two percent of the time for us to break even over the long haul, right? Yeah. So. He needs to have 27.2% bluffs here just for us to break even. Right. Otherwise, we are indifferent. We're indifferent at 27.2, actually. But we yeah. have, so slightly more, 27.21. Now we're making money. Um, any percentage higher than that. Any percentage lower than that, we'd rather fold here. Um, 27% feels like a so lot. So then actually 3 to 1 is not good enough. Um, oh, yeah. You know what? I got the math wrong. I'm sorry. It's not 27. It's 21. It's 21 okay. and a half. That makes more sense. I'm, I'm a, I make... I originally had it that way, and then you said 3.75 to 1, and I rejiggered ah. it because I'm like, I did it wrong, but no, I did it right. Yeah. It's like 21%. Okay. So it's a little, so it's less. Yeah. Still, is he bluffing more than one out of five times when he goes if five we, bet, 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 shove on these tiny amounts? If we even reduce the ace king combos by one combo, yeah. or give him half of the queen combos or something, like, then we're not doing well enough. Mm. And it's over. It's over. I think this is a fold. I think it's a fold too. I think part of what can, part of the way you can justify calling a hand like 10 8 suited is to be able to fold this river. Yeah. If you can't fold this river, maybe you can't call 10 8 suited pre when he clicks it back effectively, right? Like you can't give him this last 136K right. when you're behind. These are the reverse implied odds I was so worried about. Well, I'm saying if we're good enough to be able to get away here, yeah. that justifies it a lot more where it's like we really had to call the flop we really had to call the, the turn and we can fold the river and okay sure it sucks yes we lost an extra 150,000 but but at least you know we had reasonable equity up until the river and now we know we're beat and we can fold and it's fine all of right. this with a caveat by the way because Jonathan and I have not seen Sean Perry play at all ever if he's a maniac everything's out the door and it's fine how JRB played I mean it. if he's Matt Kirk yeah we just have to go call, 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 yeah. and be like, okay, congrats. How long does JRB think before he makes his action here? Do you I'd know? have to take a look. I think he thinks for a little while, but not a not huge, too long, not a hugely long okay. time. So he has a he has a sense of a plan here, I guess. Right? Yeah, basically, that is the case. Yeah, he's he he takes a little while, and he he gives a look. He takes a big drink out of a yeah ostentatious goblet. This says Las Vegas on it. Here's, here's what happens. He does not fold. No, he calls. He calls. And that's where I think this, this feels like this can't be a good call. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel very 20, good. I mean, 21% of the time we need, we need bluffs. And if, I, if Perry is truly a maniac, but we have a sample size of one and he had aces in that. So that, you know, from our perspective, makes it less likely. I mean, it, it doesn't really, right? Like if he, every time he has aces, he's going to play like this. We yeah. should throw this out. This doesn't tell us anything about if he's a maniac or not. Right. Well, if he's been playing on high stakes poker and he plays like this all the time, we might have been suggested more hands of him with bluffs doing things like this. Mm, that's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. Um, 
I would guess he's not a maniac. Ralph Perry wasn't a maniac, so it's less likely he's a maniac anyway. I don't really know, though. Who knows? Nothing about this feels ma- ma- maniacal. Yeah, so, you know, broke living. Broke living, man. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.